Hey everybody, this is David Chuddick and welcome to this week's episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast. On the podcast, I love bringing valuable information to individuals and business owners on how to live better and more successful lives, both personally and professionally. Um, and I believe that one of the ways that we all can have better lives is by how we handle our money. So if there's anything keeping you up at night with regards to your money or personal finances, email me at david at parallelfinancial.com. That's david at parallelfinancial.com. And also make sure to check out my website, www.allofmyassets.com. If you're a business owner, I feel like you'll find a lot of the information valuable for if the time ever comes where you are looking to sell your business in order to fund your retirement and or your lifestyle. Hope that you enjoy this episode. This is the Weekly Wealth Podcast with certified financial planner, David Chuddick where we discuss the wealth building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you, your family, and your business. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast, where we talk about the mindsets, the tactics, and the strategies that help you to build and maintain wealth. My name is David Chuddick, and I work with business owners primarily, but I also work with individuals, and I help them to make the right financial decisions for them for the reasons that are important to them. So if there's anything on your mind that's keeping you up at night uh, that, that relates to money, email me, david at parallelfinancial.com. That's david at parallelfinancial.com. Uh, let's have a 30-minute conversation, whether it be over Zoom or in person or even over the telephone. And let's talk about the things that are keeping you up at night. And let's see if there are any next steps for you to take. Uh, today, I'm excited. We're going to talk about uh, a business topic that, you know, causes a lot of problems if it's not addressed properly with the business owners of the world. We're going to talk about working capital, what it is, um, how to manage it properly, and some other tips. And we're talking with uh, Joe Milam. So, hey, Joe, how are you? Hey, David. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. We are fellow soccer parents. So we've been on the soccer sidelines watching our kids play um, over the years. But we're talking about uh, we're talking business today. And uh, and we're and we're talking about one of the topics that doesn't get talked about a lot. So, uh, hey, tell us a little bit about your company, uh, just from the thirty thousand foot level, and, and and what you do. Sure. So, uh, Blue Sky Business Resources is an investment bank um, based in Salt Lake City, and we are uh, and I'm opening up uh, an office out here in South Carolina. So, uh, David, we're going to be neighbors. Um. We're actually the office is going to be in uh, in Clemson uh, on campus, so that we can uh, utilize and work with uh, interns who are looking to break into the uh, investment banking private equity space. So, uh, the, what, some of the key components of um, of Blue Sky is um, our methodology and our approach to helping business owners maximize the value of their businesses. Ideally, taking a few years, not months, to rush mm -hmm. and, uh, and and get a transaction done. So, um, and and to your and, and to the uh, the point of the conversation today, David. Yeah, working capital is one of the areas that uh, I feel like business owners should 
uh, take more seriously prior to uh, getting in and getting their initial LOIs for their businesses. Um, so I, again, I appreciate the time and, uh, and the subject. Absolutely. So I love working with business owners because business owners, they work so hard. And I always use like the analogy of there's a guy that likes building houses. So what does he do? He starts like a, he starts building houses and then, then his little house building one man show turns into a company. And then a year, two, three, five years later, he's doing everything other than actually building houses. He's hiring people. Uh, he's firing people. He's marketing. He's hopefully filing tax returns. He's maybe borrowing money, maybe paying back. And, um, you know, business owners have so much that they need to know that they just can't possibly know it all, which is why I love bringing on experts who can be assets and resources to the business owners of the world uh, like yourself. So working capital, does that mean if I kind of log into my bank account and I see that there's money in there, I have working capital, right? I don't even need to know, don't need to know anything else. I have enough money to run my business, right? Or is that <laughs> not quite so simple? Oh, uh, that is definitely the way, sadly, that most uh, businesses are run. So decisions are, uh, purchase decisions are made by logging in and seeing how much is in the bank account. And, oh, well, there's money there today. Let me spend it on this this capital investment or, or whatever it is that they want to uh, to acquire. And then, oh, wait a second, payroll is coming up and uh, there's not enough money in the bank account now. So, yeah, I mean, sadly, it is a is a is a uh, common approach that business owners take. And and something very simple can be done uh, just just to get a better handle of the capital inflows and outflows of your business. And um, one of the things that really helps that, that working capital conversation get started is a 13-week cash forecast. So just having visibility uh, into the next quarter will help those situations, uh, will definitely limit those situations where you, uh, you think you have money and you don't. So in a newer business or maybe a seasonal business or a business that's taking on a new product line, I mean, yeah, it seems like yeah, great have a have a 13-week forecast, but in some ways that sounds easier said than done. So how do you do that, especially if you're a newer business and maybe you don't have those that that much of a track record of of what your revenue should be? Right. And, and, and you're, you're spot on, especially with newer businesses that don't have historical data to go on. You really have to hit um, conservative targets and make and budget conservative targets into the future and do your best to hit them um, until you have historicals to start looking at and, and being able to make better predictive, um, uh, you know, uh, I guess, predictive bets on what the future looks like. But yeah, the the best way to look at, uh, at, at cash flow and working capital is historically over the last 12 months. Okay. Uh, because you do, you, you get to, you factor in those season, the seasonality of your business and, um, and you, you account for that. Okay. Receivables, right? I mean, you don't always get paid from your customers, which is uh, a, a, a sad uh, a sad fact. So 
is there a general rule or of how many months of 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 capital a business should try to keep in reserves or does that depend on the industry or or how how should your your small business owners know how much cash they should have in the proverbial bank for for mm-hmm. operating right and uh you're spot on david it is it's it's um it's industry specific so um you know let, let's talk about um a, a a company that needs inventory. So inventory requirements are going to require a greater amount of working capital than a software company. So it's it's really about um, the, the the norms, the industry norms, especially when it comes to to selling your business. So when you're looking to um, to if you're planning on an exit, the one of the, the the most important things you need to understand is how does my working capital compare to that of my industry peers? If it's um, if it's too low, then you're um, you're you're leaving money on the table. If it's too high, um, you're 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 going to potentially leave millions um, on, on the in the business when you when you transact. So. You've got to you've got to know what your what your industry uh, um, norms are, and if you don't know what they are, it's a very important to figure that out, and then measure your own working capital to those norms, um, or you're gonna are you gonna face some pretty heavy negotiation at the at the uh, during the LOI process. Okay. So when you say LOI uh, process, uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, what, what is LOI and um, how, how would, um, uh, how would that step of, of the business sale or exit process be affected if, if let's say there's too much working capital um, or if there's, or if there's not enough, um, you know, in the business at that time. So, um, so it, it's, so an LOI, first off, is a, uh, is a letter of intent. So this is where a, a, a buyer of, um, of your business is coming in and they presented with you with a, a term sheet. And they're saying that here are the terms of this acquisition. Uh, we'd like to buy you for X amount. And is there confidentiality involved with an LOI typically? Absolutely. Okay. And usually when, uh, when an LOI is issued, there's a, a quiet period. That's established where um, the the um, the buyer, the CEO, cannot speak with any other buyers at that point in time. So, um, what and it's usually it's always based on, of course, uh, one of the 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 major types of uh, valuations. You know, it could be based on EBITDA, it could be venture capital. Um, there's five or six different methods of valuation. But usually when it comes down to negotiation on those valuations and of the overall value of the business, working capital we've seen is one of those areas of negotiation that consistently bite a, um, a, 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 a CEO um, at the wrong time in the wrong place as well. Um, so knowing and knowing going into a transaction, having a very solid idea of what the end 
target of your working capital will be um, will actually put you in a better negotiation um, position with your uh, with your buyer. But now, even prior to the the sale of a business, I mean, I think it's probably pretty crucial that that the business, just while they're trying to operate profitably, has the right amount of working capital, right? Because if I have too much working capital, that means I'm not investing back into the business. Mm -hmm. There may be some people I could hire, uh, spend some of that money on people that that could help drive more business or or technology. And of course, if I don't have enough working capital then there's a whole heck of a lot of stress and maybe maybe bills aren't getting paid and things like that. So you mentioned earlier kind of having you know an amount uh, that's typical with what your peer groups are. Are, are you able or, or what are some resources uh, for businesses to kind of see where how much reserves businesses in the in, in, the, in a similar industry would typically have um, on, on, on their balance sheet? Sure. So there's a, there's a number of tools out there that you can pull this data from. Um, uh, a lot of times that, that the, the, the tools are expensive, so it's better to work through uh, a banker or a CPA that has access to these tools. But, um, but yeah, I mean, having a strong relationship with a CPA or having a CFO, having a controller, that that is watching your working capital day in day out is, is definitely essential to a healthy business and and we're talking basics david like holding your uh, your clients holding your customers to the credit or to the terms that you established yeah and that's um, hard though and especially when you're like a business owner who does everything so when you're the business owner who is now in charge of collections you know, to me, it's hard to call people and ask for money. So, um, but, but it has to be done. It has to be done and you have to, and, and, and it's sometimes it's not, it's not major moves in, in the ask. It could be just resetting when uh, the days that invoices are due. Uh, that, that can, that can have a major increase into uh, your, your working capital where um, you have, a few discussions with your biggest vendors and you move the needle slightly mm -hmm. so that it it falls more in line with the uh, the costs and the outlay to run your business um another thing david on the other side is are you paying your vendors too fast hmm. are you paying your vendors if they if they're giving you net 30 are you paying them net 10 um I mean, of course, there are some discounts and some reasons for doing that. So it's at some points in the year, maybe maybe toward year end. But normally, uh, uh, I mean, as a CEO or a company should be extending out their payables as far as they can, um, so that they're not, um, uh, so that they're best utilizing the capital they have. Let's take a quick break from the podcast. Did you know that 75% of business owners regret 
how they approached the exit of their business. So go to my website if you're thinking about selling your business and retiring. Uh, go to www.allofmyassets.com slash prescore, P-R-E-S-C-O-R-E, which stands for Personal Readiness to Exit. And you can learn a little bit about if your future vision is ready to be um, exit your business. Um, you can learn about if you're structuring flexibility, uh, how the business sale will be structured is suitable for you. You can learn about have you built a uh, fulfilling life outside of your business? And also, have you considered how your team will be treated after you exit your company? And now let's get back to the podcast. You said something in there and you use the words running your business. And and I think if there's anything just from so many of my episodes that I want for the business owners, and this is hard for me too, is the running of a business. We don't operate um, or we shouldn't be operating non-profitable cha- uh, charity organizations. We have to run the business like a business. And sometimes that means you know, whether it's an email or a phone call of, you know, hey, Joe, just this is David. I just, you know, kind of let you know that we hadn't received, uh, you know, your, your payment and it's now 45 days out or, you know, is there anything we can do? And, you know, we need your revenue. We need that money to operate. And and I think sometimes we just we don't have processes in place. Uh, I did a, an episode with a, uh, a, a, a fractional CFO and she works with companies of you know, two to five or 10 employees. And she said, one of the best hacks to, to, to increase your, your receivables is you go in and, and this, and this is the case where, where the business owner is doing a lot of, a lot of the tasks, instead of getting an email from Joe at joescompany.com saying, Hey, please pay your bill. Um, if Joe sets up just a fake email account, that's either accounting or collections at joescompany.com. And then the email uh, comes from that email address. It's it's all of a sudden, it looks a little bit more official and, um, and, and Joe uh, may not even feel like it's quite coming from him and may be more likely to send those emails out. But, um, but I do know that, that, that uh, receivables are a huge, huge uh, or, or receivables not being collected are a huge, huge issue for a lot of businesses. I see that all day, every day. Uh, absolutely. Um, and it's, and, it, and to that, to that point, when you think about um, working capital, it's really tied to, to a few base variables. Um, and, and that's, and that's really the, the period used to analyze what the, um, what the target amount of working capital is. Uh, and that's usually again, it's based on the last 12 months and a and a target date in which that you're anticipating uh, selling your business. And again, a lot of this is talking about, um, you know, I'm just trying to help your your listeners understand that these are th- this is a this is a highly contested area of negotiation when selling your business. But again, these are it's essential to get this get these things figured out just to run a a healthy business in general. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and they say, you know, a sellable business is a profitable business too. So even if you're not ready to sell your business, you want to run it like you are because uh, the the businesses that are, that are profitable and well-run, they are absolutely going to command a higher multiple at the time of sale. 100%. Absolutely. So, so again, establish that period, which is usually 12 months and a target date. Um, also, the number of days of aging accounts receivable when a buyer will not recognize the value of that invoice. So again, going to the point of making sure your, your customers are paying you um, when they're supposed to, 
or your buyer is not going to believe the terms that you've established. Okay. So that's an area of negotiation that you need to have a very strong footing on. Um, and then, and again, on the payable side, what I, what we were just talking about is the number of days um, in accounts payable that are um, their number of accounts, excuse me, uh, number of accounts that are, that are considered funded debt. So again, this is one of those situations where a buyer is going to say to the CEO, look, the, these payables are sitting out here. Um, this is additional working capital that we're going to need. Okay. And that's less money in the seller's pocket um, when the deal closes. Okay. Yeah. that's And that's something that I don't think the average business owner would, would even consider. And, and these are why, why we absolutely need to be working with, um, with experts. So, I mean, what are some examples of when these things are, 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 are not addressed, like, like what happens as far as in the selling process or even in the process of just running a business profitably or non-profitably, can you give me some examples of what happens when these, when these issues are not addressed and not dealt with? So there's an example I can give you, David, that, um, of a deal that happened that closed last year with our firm and the, um, the the working capital was let's let's call it um, let's call it two million and it's a manufacturing distribution business so a, a lot of the inventory was inventory was required but the uh, the CEO um, due to um, just the concerns that and the risk that they were self imposing on their on their business had over four million in inventory over and beyond what was required to fill the uh, the amount of orders that they had. So um, we were able to get the CEO a little more comfortable with what the the correct working capital level was and, and just basically uh, reduce, trying to get him to reduce that inventory count down some. Because again, that's money that is tied up in the business that he will not, he will not, he would have not gotten uh, so at the transaction. Why day. was, what's the reason why a, a CEO would want that much extra inventory? It's just a mindset? It's a mindset. Okay. And, um, and one of the things that we also uh, work on uh, at Blue Sky is, is the mindset of the CEO. So we actually have a doctor that we work with to help to get into the, the psychological rationale around certain decisions that they're making um but yeah it is it was it was a hundred percent the business did not need that much inventory but the ceo felt that um with, with it being a family business that we had to de-risk it we had to de-risk the ability the, the fact that we we've got to be able to supply our our clients when they call when they order but to to the, to the extent of putting an additional burden on the business of $4 million in inventory was uh, highly excessive and way over the norm for that business. Okay. So that makes sense that, you know, with you coming in and your firm, you know, putting the, you know, being that, that disinterested party that says, look, you know, the amount of inventory that is typical in your industry is X, you have X times five or 10 or whatever that number is. To me, that would help a CEO to start to make a little bit more rational decisions 
I mean, it makes sense that you want the inventory so you can fulfill orders and serve your customers. But there also comes a point where uh, too much inventory is just too much money tied up. And, and I think that's kind of what you're saying, right? It is. Yeah. And it, and it wasn't cyclical either, David. It was consistent month over month. Um, so it wasn't something that we could have tied to a season. It was um, it was based on, you know, 12 months of historical data that, yes, this amount of overage existed month over month. Wow. And how much inventory was reasonable for this for this specific company versus how much what they ultimately had? So so two million was was realistic in a, the amount of working capital that was required. Okay. Um, but they had, so it was, it was 4 million over. So 6 million total wow. working okay. capital. Um, so we were able to, again, we had some time, we reduced that. Uh, but at the end of the day, when the transaction happened, the CEO left money on the table. Mm-hmm. And that's wow. one of the things that we strive for when we're representing um, clients through this um, through the mucky waters of M and A, um, that, that this is that, that's just one of the things that we 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 try our best to identify sure, as early sure. as possible. You know, M and A mergers and acquisitions, and 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 again, that's a skill that most business owners, CEOs, may have never been through. So. You can be great at running a business and 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 servicing your clients, but it's a whole new event when you are now getting to the point where you're looking to sell or or acquire a business, and that's where um, you know companies like Blue Sky Advisors uh, come in because that's what they do. That's that's uh, that's what they know, and typically the business owners um, uh, don't know this. So. Um, so yeah, so you are in Clemson, and uh, you're looking for for a little bit of help. Uh, so tell me a little bit about what you're looking for as far as um, uh, uh, some interns up up in our neck of the woods. Sure. So one of the things that um, that I've noticed for a long time is um, private equity, investment banking, um, the community at large uh, that I'm a part of is 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 not very diversified so one of the things that i am very motivated to do is to get um, minorities into into this world and so i'd love to to meet um minorities uh, uh, i mean uh, of of all walks of life um from every part of the world um and 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 pull them into an internship program um, here at Clemson. And again, it doesn't have to be students at Clemson, but we're going to have an office there and I would, and you get so much value from being all in the same room and, uh-huh. and hearing the conversations. But, uh, so that's, that's one of the, that's one of the major targets that I have for this year is to introduce, um, uh, a number of minority students into this world and, and hopefully have them, have them stick around and make uh-huh. an impact in the future. Yeah, yeah. No, that <clears throat> that's exciting. So what size companies typically are you working with in the M&A process? Whether we're talking so, revenue, uh employee size or annual sales or 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 what are the metrics that you that you like to use? Sure. So we we like to work with companies that are 15 million or greater in revenue and um and that are that are profitable 
um, especially with the, uh, the, the headwinds uh, from 22 going into this year. Um, it's the, the investor, the, the investor sentiment has, has, has changed greatly really over the last six to eight months. So if so, you really need to be a healthy, growing, um, 15 million or greater and, and, um, and top line revenue business for really a banker to, to have a, um, a big impact for you. Okay. Um, if you're lower than 15 million, um, we absolutely can still help and, and put you on what we call our um, business market and strategy guide, which is our, our process that we use for all of our clients. The, the hope and intent of going through this process is to get you into those, those ranges that make a lot of sense for acquisition. Okay. So for someone who's thinking, you know what, I'm not sure if, if, if selling is, 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 is what I need to do now, but, but I'm thinking about it or, or if they're just thinking, man, this working capital thing, I, I haven't really been running my business like a business and I need to get a handle on the working capital situation. I need to find out how much I should have, maybe set some targets for, for when I have that much. How would anybody reach you and what are some of the other resources that you have out there where, where, where listeners can learn about your company? So if you go to bigskyadvisors.net, we have um, a lot of free resources out there. We have um, we have uh, a podcast as well, which we're going to have you on, David, at some point. That'll be uh, awesome. Uh, we have eBooks on selling your business. We have just a ton of content for any business owner. Um, and and also, David, it's not so much about even selling your business. I mean, what if you're still growing? What if you're mm-hmm. Well, have some major growth goals still before you even think about selling. Well, there's a whole other side of M&A, which is called buy side. And it allows, it, it, allow, it's, it supports a CEO uh, buying other companies and growing what we call uh, growing um, inorganically versus organically, which is the way that they're currently doing with their own sales teams and their own marketing. So, um, we uh, at Blue Sky, we work on both sides. We represent the the uh, the uh, the seller, but we also represent the seller to other uh, CEOs who may be wanting to exit their business. Okay, sounds like you have some expertise on both sides, which I think gives a really really good really good perspective. So um, so what is your email address, and, and is there a phone number that anybody could reach out uh, directly to you? Sure. So my email is j. M I L A M at blue sky advisors.net. And my phone number is 864 221 9335. So I'd love to hear from anyone who has questions. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, check out blue sky advisors.net or email Jay Milam at uh, blue skies 
www.ethicsadvisors.net or even give him a phone call at 864-221-9335. And that's if you want to just learn a little bit more about what your working capital situation should be, or if you're in the period of your career where where um, you're looking to grow inorganically and potentially buy companies, or, or if you're getting to the point where you're thinking about selling, it's never too early to start uh, positioning your company as a as an above average company that should sell for a higher multiple than industry average. Then of course, if you don't sell, then you're just running a better, more profitable company, which of course is a win for everybody involved. So I appreciate your time and your expertise on here. And I know that you and I, we we had met, we had coffee, we talked about what we we're going to talk about, but I don't think we mentioned the one surprise question that I was going to ask you. So, so we are the Weekly Wealth Podcast, and we talk about the mindsets, the tactics, and the strategies that can help you to build and maintain wealth. So Joe, I would like to know, what is your definition of wealth for you and for your family? What would make you wealthy? And just how do you defined wealth from a personal standpoint? Um, joy. I like Happiness it. and joy. And and what, what are those things that will allow uh, those things to happen? So, so for me, and uh, David, I know you talked a lot about this um, on other episodes, but really it's, it's, it's time and your investment of time in your family, doing the things you enjoy, and um, just ha- having having what having enough to it to instill and bring joy to yourself and your family makes makes a lot of sense. You know, one of the things that we talked about is you and I we've watched a lot of our kids' soccer matches, and and that brings joy most of the times. But it it also uh, <laughs> you know you have to schedule your life around it, and sometimes a flexible work schedule to make soccer matches and and going to the weekend tournaments costs money. So obviously you need some amount of money to have this joy. But um, you know there are that you know the cats in the cradle uh, scenarios where people work so much that they miss their their kids' soccer games, and that takes away joy and that takes away freedom. Mm-hmm. So so I like how you um, I like how you use the word joy and. And um, it's kind of what the money does for us, not necessarily the money itself. So, right. and uh, but, that, that's that's the value of having strong partners like like yourself, David, to 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 take that stress um, off that of a of a founder or CEO. Yeah, yeah. You know what's interesting is um, I had a, a a review appointment with one of my clients, and 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 this was an annual review, and. But but the first questions I always ask at the reviews are, you know, how's your health? How's the family? How's everything going? How's your relationships? Because these are the things that really matter. Now, the money, how it's handled, that affects things. But ultimately, um, you know, life is more than just dollars and cents. Dollars and cents is, is, is a component, but ultimately life is about love, about freedom, about joy, about happiness, about all those things and how we handle our money should enhance that. 
Now, using the working capital as a as as an example, if there's not enough working capital and 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 the business owner is constantly stressed and struggling, um, you know, then they come home, they kick the dog. Uh, maybe you're not the best father or husband when you're overly stressed. So something as simple as getting working capital under control can make you a better dad. It could make you a better business owner. It can make you a better husband or anything because uh, things are things are under control and there's a lack of stress. So. So the stress of any money issue uh, can really roll over into other parts of life. And that's one of the things I really uh, I really talk about a lot with clients is, is let's figure out where we're causing financial stress and let's fix it. And that'll fix stress in other parts of life. So again, if anybody's Please. interested, uh, www.blueskyadvisors.net, and you can email Joe directly at jmilam at blueskyadvisor.net. Check out the website. There's lots of good resources, uh, lots of good uh, free tools on there. And uh, hey, everybody, we wish you a great week until next episode. And Joe, we appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. David, really enjoyed it. Thank you. And um, uh, thank thanks again for the time. Absolutely. Good deal. All right, everybody. Have a great week. The information contained herein, including but not limited to research, market valuations, calculations, estimates, and other material obtained from Parallel Financial and other sources are believed to be reliable. However, Parallel Financial does not warrant its accuracy or completedness. The materials are provided for informational purposes only. It should not be used or construed as an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security. Past performance is not indicative of future results.